Anybody remember the lion tamer at the circus? I don't have my whip because I'm not a lion tamer. For you that don't know, my name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. So thank you for being here this morning. A little cooler in here, right, than outside? A little. What is the kingdom of God? We've been in this series about kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? We need to answer that question so we can better understand what Jesus taught. His teaching wasn't just about getting people saved so they could go to heaven when they died. Now that's a wonderful teaching and it's very assurance for all of us who are saved. It's comforting to know that. Yet when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus' message over and over again was about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. And then he would give illustration that would help the people understand what he was talking about. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not a spiritual, mystical concept of something to be experienced in the afterlife. The kingdom of God is a present reality to be lived and experienced right now by those of us who claim Jesus Christ as our King. You see, if Jesus reigns in your life, then the kingdom of God is in your life now. If Jesus is the king in your home, sorry husbands, then the kingdom of God is already in your home now. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus has been made the king. We read this from Paul. He says, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son, whom he loves. God has brought Christians into the kingdom of the son, Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, you are already a part of his kingdom. You don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven. God wants to work through you and me to extend the influence of the kingdom into the world around us. In Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us the key to bringing more people into the kingdom of God and out from the power of darkness that Paul referred to there. Jesus says this, you are salt for the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how will it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are light for the world. A city cannot be hidden when it is located on a hill. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, everyone who lights a lamp puts it on a lamp stand. Then its light shines on everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, 
let your light shine in front of people. Then they will see the good that you do and praise your Father in heaven. This is the well-known parable of salt and light. The band did a song referencing this this morning. Jesus says, you and I are salt for the earth and we're light for the world. And this was a life-changing and a radical statement that Jesus was making. He was talking to the ordinary people of the day. He was not talking to the super spiritual people, the religious leaders such as the Pharisees. He was talking to people like you and me. He was speaking to the sinner who was being transformed by the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ. I stand before you this morning knowing that I'm a sinner who is being transformed by the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, is there anyone else in here that could say the same today? Jesus says we are salt for the earth and we are light for the world. Not only does Jesus save sinners like me so they can go to heaven someday, he forgives us and calls people like me to partner with him to accomplish his purposes and plans while we still are alive on this earth. These people are called his ambassadors, his representatives. And he invites them to join him in the amazing opportunity to change the world around them. You see, he didn't save us just so we could sit in these comfortable stadium chairs one hour a week on Sunday and then go about our life without any regard for his purpose and plan for the other 176, excuse me, 67 hours in the week. Some of you are living that Sunday morning one hour and that's it. But no, God called you to serve him and to extend the kingdom and the influence of the kingdom throughout the earth. We are God's plan A. There's no plan B. He's going to do it through you and me if it's going to happen at all. Jesus says, you are salt for the earth and light for the world. He's saying, you need to come into relationship with me because I want to use you as salt and light. He's saying, don't be afraid of people who are out in the world who don't know me, and don't hate them either. He's saying, you don't have to hide from the world because I want to use you to spread the influence of my kingdom wherever you go. You see, how we see the world determines how we're going to interact and face the world. I'm kind of a news junkie, some of you aren't, but that's okay. But when you check out the news, 
and you see all the stuff that's going on in the world that, that might be offensive to you and to what you believe and what God's Word teaches, you might be just tempted to tune it all out and write off all the people engaged in those type of things. When we see people saying and doing things that we would never do or say, are we, do we see those people as bad people? To be despised, to be shunned, to be avoided at all costs? Or do we see those people as lost people without the transforming power of Jesus Christ in their lives? If we see them as bad people, then we're going to approach them that way. And it's a, a way that will damage our mission, and they will respond in kind. But if we see them not as bad people, but as people who are lost, then it stirs up a sense of compassion in our hearts to want to see them know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, as we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And just maybe if we react to them that way, they will respond more openly to what we have to say to them. They may not agree with us, and that's between them and God. But hopefully, they will see that we care about them, and we don't hate them. And we're not just judging them. Jesus says, now don't be like them in their behaviors, but don't hide from them and don't hate them. Instead, be salt and light to them. Why did Jesus use these illustrations of salt and light? For one thing, salt is a preservative. It preserves things. That's why they use salt to cure some varieties of meat to preserve it. Salt preserves. Salt preserves flavor. How many are on a no-salt diet? Ooh, I'm glad you're not. I, I don't know how people do that. Pray for them. That's a tough one. Salt purifies, salt penetrates, and salt makes people thirsty. What about light? What does light do? Well, you can ask the people of New York City who recently experienced a partial blackout in their city. J-Lo had to shut down her, con her concert that night. If you had tickets, I'm sorry. <laughs> Light illuminates. It helps us see things that we may not see in the dark. Jesus says, you're the light of the world, giving illumination and helping people find their way to God and their eternal home. So what does it mean for us? If we're supposed to be salt for the earth and light for the world, what does that mean for us? How are we supposed to live? We're to be salt for the earth by our words. And it's not just the words we speak, 
It's also about the words we write or we type. Seems like anymore, many of us spend more time writing and, and typing out on keyboards than we do speaking. And there's plenty of material that's out there that is offensive to me it's probably offensive to you. And it's out on Facebook and Twitter and blogs and other social media sites. I don't read much of it because I'm not on those sites, but people tell me. So I can't stand here and tell you I know from personal experience. But I know what people tell me they read and how offended they can be by those things. There's enough stuff out there that's distasteful to many of us. But we are to be the salt with our words. We are to preserve. God wants us to preserve civility and morality and dignity and decency with the things that we say. He wants us to improve our conversations with people, with each other, with grace. Paul says, let your conversation be always full of, what's the word? Grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So you salt the earth with your words and you let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt. What kind of words? Well, I thought of a few, so bear with me. How about words of encouragement? How about salting the earth with words of encouragement? Not discouragement, there's enough of that. There's enough of that being salted in the earth negative words, but words of encouragement. Let's assume someone came into the church this morning who's discouraged. They've had a tough week. And maybe, just maybe, they feel like giving up, throwing in the towel. But they came to Faith Fellowship on this third Sunday in July. And you happen to be in a conversation with them in the commons. And you give them some words of encouragement. You salt the conversation, no matter how lengthy it is or how brief it is, but you salt it. That conversation that you have with them with words of encouragement. The writer of Proverbs said this, anxious hearts are very heavy. Maybe they feel like giving up. But a word of encouragement, I love this, does wonders. Wow. You can also salt the earth with words of patience. Maybe you're in a situation where you're waiting in line at a store or you have a, a server who isn't meeting your standards and expectations at your favorite restaurant. People are getting impatient. You can sense the tension. People are getting restless. Some people are getting angry. What are you going to do? 
Are you going to jump into the middle of this scene with, with your own impatience and your own anger? Now, I was tested recently at Walmart. It's amazing how God brought this illustration to my mind. And I gave myself a C. Now, I'm going to let you grade me later, okay? I'm going to tell you the story. I asked if the line was going to be open because there was a customer sitting in one of those Walmart power chairs. You know what I'm talking about? Not a full wheelchair, but whatever. Kind of a halfway point between a walker and a... And they were, you know where the credit card machine is, and they were over here, at, kind of at the end where the bag, rotation bags are. Nothing on the conveyor belt. And the, the clerk said it was open because I asked, is the line open? Look, you know. And then she proceeded to take about 10 minutes trying to figure out this problem that she had with this gentleman who was seated in his chair. Now, I didn't get an A, I didn't get, give myself an A because I said this. You want to hear it, don't you? <laughs> I said, why did you tell me the line was open and I, I, had, I kept it down if you're having this kind of difficulty? Maybe that C should be a D, right? <laughs> Some of you aren't good graders, it'd be an F, wouldn't it? Well, I recovered my senses. And when she got done, and, and uh, I only had a few items, I tried to say some nice things, some words of encouragement, you know. And uh, by the way, I didn't tell her I was from Faith Fellowship. <laughs> there you go. But looking back, I wish I could have done a much better job responding to this situation with words of patience. I failed. It wasn't a C. Paul writes in Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You can also salt the world with words of faith. Words of faith. When somebody's afraid and it seems likely they're just waiting for more bad news to come their way, you don't have to join in their anxiety and their fear and their doubts. Instead, you can bring words of faith. The Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. So we speak words of faith. We salt that conversation with our friend or our coworker with words of faith from God's book, the Bible. God uses us to build up each other's faith by salting conversation with words of faith. You may not know what to say. You can ask God to give you some word, something from God's word. You can also salt the earth with words of truth. What kind of words come out of your mouth? What kind of words came out of your mouth this past week? Was it gossip? Were they words that were falsehood? Were you spreading rumors? Or were the words that came out of your mouth words of truth? You see, when it's truth, we must always speak the truth in love. Even if that dress didn't look good on her. 
Even if she only looks like she gained 10 pounds instead of 30 pounds. <laughs> People need to know that we're truthful in the way we speak. They need to know that we're safe. We can be trusted by the words we speak. They also know that we will speak God's truth into a situation. You got a friend that's doing something that is contrary to what God would say to do in God's word? You need to be brave enough to step up and speak God's truth into their life, but do it in a loving way, not a condemning, harsh way, not a looking down your nose at them, a loving way. Paul says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the, what is it? Truth. We can also salt the world with words of peace. When somebody is argumentative, and combative and, and yelling. Just stay cool with Jesus. Somebody gave me that phrase. I like that. Just stay cool with Jesus. Don't yell. Don't raise your voice. You ever notice that, that as the, the voice level goes higher, both in the situation, they raise it up. One doesn't ratchet it up. The other one ratchets it up. Bring words of peace. Be a peacemaker with your mouth. Don't stir up conflict with harsh words and accusations. People can get that anywhere. Salt the earth with words of peace. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. It could also be another term for anger. But a harsh word stirs up anger. I want to choose gentle there. I hope you do too. You can also salt the earth with words of hope. Seems everywhere you go, people are desperate for hope at some level. When you meet someone who's in despair and they've kind of given up on life or given up on the situation they're in, they seem to be without hope then you, as a follower of Jesus, need to speak words of hope into their life. And a great way to do that, again, I go back, is to give them words of Scripture. In Romans 15, 13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. They may be hopeless, but we know one who is the God of hope. Another great way to bring hope to people is by telling your own story. You know you all have a story. I know some of your stories. You, some of you know my story. We all have a story. Have you ever been in a situation where things were very difficult, and somebody came up to you, and they said something like this, you know, let me tell you what God did when, when I was going through something similar to what you're facing. You never can go through exactly what they're facing because you're not living inside their skin. When you tell your story, 
of what God did for you, it helps build people, hope in people who need it. John Newton, the slave trader who gave his heart to Christ, wrote in his famous song, Amazing Grace. He did this. This was his testimony. He says, I was lost, but now I'm found. He says, I was blind, but now I see. He's told us that about his life. People have sung it for hundreds of years. Maybe your story would be something like this. I was angry, angry at God, angry at everyone, but now I'm at peace. Or maybe your story would be, I was filled with hatred, but God taught me how to love and forgive people. Or maybe your story would be one that says, I was bound by addiction, but now God has set me free. Excuse me. <coughs> people can argue with your theology, and people have been doing that forever. And they will argue with you on that. They'll argue with what you believe. They'll argue. People can argue with your reasoning and your logic. And they will argue about those things. But nobody, let me underline that word, nobody can legitimately, and that's the key word, can legitimately argue with your experience of your changed life. I can't argue with you about your experience with Jesus Christ. Legitimately. Someone may try, but legitimately they can't do it. The change that God has made in your life is the most compelling piece of evidence in the case for Jesus Christ. Some of you have had great transformation. Paul writes, if any person's in Christ, they're a new person. The old things have passed away. That is a powerful story, a powerful word of hope for someone else who may be facing similar circumstances. Well, we've looked at the salt that Jesus referred to, so what about the light? You light the world by your deeds. Jesus went on in his sermon and he said this, you are light for the world. A city cannot be hidden when it's located on a hill. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, everyone who lights a lamp puts it on a lampstead. Then it lights, its light shines on everyone in the house. I want you to write this down in your mind. Make a mental note of this somewhere. You are salt for the earth with your words. And you're light for the world with your deeds. Salt with your words, light with your deeds. That's why Jesus said this. In the same way, let your light shine in front of people. Then they will see the good that you do and praise your Father in heaven. It's not enough for you to say you believe. You have to live like you believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. One of the problems we have in this United States of America, we've got a lot of people running around and say, I believe but their words don't match up with their actions. I'm sure you've heard this saying, people don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. Anybody hear that before? People don't want you to just rattle off Bible verses 
or other Christian phrases out of your mouth. Christianese, we call it. We've got our own language sometimes. They want you to see, they want to see you put your faith into action. One pastor said this. He says, it seems like the hands and feet of the body of Christ have been amputated and all, all that's left is a big mouth. Friends, in 2019 in America, people don't want to hear the big mouths of Christians. Flapping in the wind, they want to see our good deeds as we are light for the world. Jesus says when that happens, when they see that, they're going to praise the Father in heaven. We must not only salt the world with words of grace, we must light the world with deeds of grace. So where do you turn on the light in the world, in your world, your own world? What kind of deeds will light up your world? Now here are some ideas for you. What about deeds of compassion? You can light up the world with deeds of compassion. When you see somebody in need, someone who's hurting, and it's within your power, remember I said within your power, and your ability to do something to help them, then do something about it and help them. You're not Bill Gates, I get that. But I said within your power, your ability to help them, then help them. God's placed them there for you to help them. Don't just talk about it. Do something about it. We've got a great ministry here called the James Gang. Been going for quite a few years where we help widows and single moms do honeydews around the house. We've got a ministry on Mother's Day called the Diaper Drop, where we collect diapers and give them to a, a ministry in Cottage in um, Bethaldo. We've got Backpack Sunday coming, where we're going to bless some children who are very needy in the East St. Louis area, for one. We've got the Red Cross Blood Drive. The demand for blood is very high this summer. Some of you need to roll up your sleeve. Soup for the Soul, a ministry that we participate in at, at the Community Hope Center, where we help make soup for people who come through who are in need. We have love packages once a year where we go to Butler, Illinois and sort literature, Christian literature that goes all around the world. We have Angel Tree, one of our most favorite ministries around here in the Christmas time where we buy presents for children who have incarcerated parents. These are some of our key things that we do besides other things. God can use us, you and me, to help light the world with deeds of compassion. Here's another way to light the world. You can light the world with deeds of mercy. Mercy. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. When it's within your power to get even with somebody, show them mercy instead. Show them mercy. Pastor David, you don't know. No, I don't know. Why would you do that? 
Well, one reason is because you and I are going to need mercy from God, aren't we? And we may need some mercy this afternoon from God. We may need some mercy come Wednesday from God. The Bible said God shows us mercy the way we show mercy to other people. If you're not a merciful person, and then you expect God to shower you with all his mercy, there's a disconnect somewhere there. Think about this. Which way do you think is more likely to cause somebody to give their life to Christ? You getting even with them? Are you showing mercy to them? God can open their heart with your mercy. We also like the deeds with mercy. Here's a verse that corresponds to that in the Old Testament, Micah 6.8. The Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. Okay, God, what do you demand? What do you want from us? See that justice is done. Let, what's that word? Is that really the word I think it is? Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. That's not too exhaustive a list, is it? God, what do you want us to do? What is right? What do you demand? See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. All you can do that. I can do that. If we want to. You can also light the world through deeds of generosity. God gives to you and me so that he can give to others through us. God uses his people to be a blessing to other people, some within the family of God and some that aren't in the family of God. God doesn't make money fall miraculously from the sky for those who are in need. I did see a story recently where uh, they showed money blowing all over this highway, cash, maybe you saw it too. It had fallen off uh, an armored truck and the packages had broken open and people were stopping their cars in every which direction, scrambling to get the money, pick up as much loose cash as they could. You'd never do that, I know that. But I wonder if they forgot about the penalties while they're picking up the cash and the, the dash cam was going and seeing everybody doing that. I think there's a penalty for picking up cash on the highway that fell out of an armored truck. Now, that's not the method God's going to use with us, that the armored truck is going to dump some, tr- some cash in our front yard. He puts resources into our hands through our jobs, through our investments, so that we can help meet the needs of other people who are less fortunate than us at that particular time in their life. A pastor said this when talking to his congregation. He said, I have good news and I have bad news. Of course, everybody wants the good news first. He said, here's the good news. This church has all the money we ever need. Everybody stood up. Boy, we love hearing that. He said, now here's the bad news. That money's in your bank account. (laughs) You know, the pastor was right. God gives to you and me So he can give to others in need through you and me. We can be light for the world through deeds of generosity. In speaking about God's people, Timothy said this. 
Paul said this, excuse me, in 1 Timothy 6, 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good needs. Not be stingy in good needs, not be tight-fisted in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I love coming across people that have that generous, open heart. Sometimes it's the people you least expect. You think the people that have the, the big bank accounts would be the most generous, but sometimes it doesn't always work that way. It always inspires me when I come across people who are willing to give and be generous. Now, if we get things out of order, we're going to miss something here. You can't dispel darkness with salt. You need light. Just sitting and talking about all the darkness in the world isn't going to do anything about it. You can go over and sit in the corner with your friends, going to hide over there, and just going to talk about how dark and how spiritually bad the world is, and oh, it's going to the pot. Salt will not get rid of darkness. You go home and it's night. Don't take your salt shaker in your room and start sprinkling like this and expect the lights to go on. You've got to turn the switch on. The only way to get rid of darkness is to turn on the light. When there's something you can do to let your light shine, do it. Do it. Light the world through deeds of grace. Deeds of grace. We have to shine our lights, as Jesus said, and as they sung, like a city on a hill for everyone to see it. Not to think that we're wonderful and to praise us. It's not to draw attention to us. And if you give and, and, and you're generous because of that reason, you might as well forget it. But that they will see the followers of Christ's good deeds and they will praise the Father in heaven. To God be the glory. Great things he's done. Did you ever see those strange looking domes at a, a county road facility? You know what those are? They put salt in there, right. They buy salt sometimes off season and, and they put it in there. Well, stockpiled salt in the life of a believer and hidden light is useless. It may be okay for the county and the state. Faith fellowship is not this building. I spend more time in this building than anyone here. Some of you know that. I'm the point man to be on, on the grounds most of the time. And let me tell you, about 2 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, it's a lot different than it is right now. Faith Fellowship is not this building. As beautiful and comfortable as God has provided for us, it's not this building. Guess what? Faith Fellowship is God's people. You, 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 me. And God wants to work through His people here at this particular church to accomplish the plans and purposes of the kingdom of God on earth, not only here in Madison County, but 
our influence to go out past that around the world. God wants to do it through his people. But the problem is so many people in churches all across America, they gather in their buildings and they have a holy huddle. I like football and I like it when they come out of the huddle and get into the play. But see, these Christians want to never break out of the huddle. They just want to hold hands and stay in the huddle. They don't want to get out on the playing field. They don't want to get in the real game. Holy huddle. God wants you and me to extend the influence of his kingdom into the world that he loves. Get out of the huddle. See, God loves the people of this world. And he wants them to know he loves them. And the chief way they're going to know is not by watching Christian radio or, excuse me, Christian TV or listening to Christian radio as much as I appreciate those things. The way they're going to know that God loves them is because he's going to love them through you and through me. Amen? So here's the challenge for us this week. Not going to be quite as hot this week. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the challenge. Let's go out and begin to change the world around us. Just us. Our workplace. Our neighborhood. Our family table. Let's be kingdom people this week who look for opportunities to salt conversations with words of grace. Words of grace. Let's be kingdom people this week who look for opportunities to light the world with deeds of grace. Words of grace, deeds of grace. And we close this morning with this verse. And whatever you do, Christian, those who show up at Faith Fellowship on Sunday morning, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord God, we thank you this morning that you allow us to be your followers, that you've made it possible that we could be your representatives and ambassadors in our little part of the world Lord, I know how miserably I failed at Walmart the other day. And Lord, I don't want to fail like that again this next week. I want words of grace. And when I have opportunity, I want to do deeds of grace. I want to be salt and light. To my little world. And Lord, I sense in my heart that there are many in this building that would say, David, I want to do the same. I want to be salt and light in my world this week. So Lord, take us. We accept the challenge that's been put out there that we'll be salt and light. And Lord, because of what you did 2,000 years ago on the cross, 
that made it possible for us to be a part of your family. We come today and we celebrate and we remember your death and your burial and your resurrection. You're a wonderful, loving, and good Savior. And we are so grateful that we belong to you. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Stay seated, please, until the ushers release us by the rows. We go front to back. And God bless you as you come and observe communion this morning.